0: All right, let's jump into the word. I've actually titled my message today. Woo! Everybody's like, why don't you title your message? So it's uh, From Barren to Bearing. From Barren to Bearing. And we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 25, verses 21 through 23. And so if you could stand with your feet with me, and we'll, you know what? Let's read this one together. It's kind of short. We hadn't done that in a minute. We stand for scripture so that we can give it reverence and, and honor because scripture is unlike anything else. This is the most important part of the message, the reading of scripture, because it's the scripture that has the power to divide between soul and spirit, between flesh and blood. It has the power to change and transform our lives. And so by standing, we're saying, hey, this is unlike anything else that's going to happen. All I do the rest of the time is tell you about how it's going to do its work on us. Amen. Amen. And it helps us to cooperate with what the word says. So let's read this together. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. And she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went in. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would meet us wherever we are in this journey, whether we're barren or we're bearing, so that we can accomplish your good and perfect will, so that we can be faithful to you and to your word. We can be transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you're watching online, I tried to read it quietly for you so I didn't take away from them reading it. Anyway, our goal today is to study this passage, and we're going to look at a process that God took Isaac and Rebecca through. And it's a process that you and I go through in our lives uh, at least once. Oftentimes, it's a cycle uh, where we move from barren to conceiving to birthing. And then once we've birthed and we've received that thing and we get kind of familiar with it, we recognize the barrenness again. Because maybe the thing that we were, one, we were, we were barren for wasn't actually the end all that we thought it was going to be. Right? Much like a job promotion. You're like, oh, I need that job promotion. And you get to job promotion, and then you get into it, and you're into it. And then, and then after a short period of time, after some time, you're able to look forward again and say, I need another job promotion, right? And so this is something that you might find yourself in in a, in a recurring basis. It certainly happens for all of us once uh, in our lives, uh, depending on the, the, the size of the revelation that we're looking at, right? There's, so there's the smaller things like a job promotion, and there's the bigger things like our purpose in life and understanding who it is that God has called us to become. Before we do this, I want to I want to say that the most important thing about this passage is is what it says about Isaac and Rebecca, because what's happening is God is setting up a story where a, a history where ultimately Jesus was going to be birthed out of and Jesus was going to come and redeem us from our sin. And it was going to happen through all these promises that he made, generation after generation after generation. Major promises and covenants were made with Abraham. Right. And now Abraham's son is entering into the story and he's going to have a son named named. He's going to have two sons. We'll talk about them. Jacob's going to have 12 sons and then those 12 sons are going to have become the 12 tribes of Israel. You've heard of those. And from the tribe of Judah is going to come Jesus, who's going to reign on the throne forever. You tracking? And so that's why this story is most important. But from that story, when we understand what's really, what's happening in the narrative, the the meta narrative of scripture, the story that goes from the beginning to the end, it's one story from Genesis to the end of Revelation. When we understand how that fits in there, then we can start drawing out principles for our life, for application, and figuring out how is it that I'm supposed to live, and how is it that I'm supposed to walk, and how is it supposed, how how am I supposed to relate to God in the midst of my walk and in the midst of my life? You tracking? A little bit? Scott is. We'll keep going. So all of us find ourselves somewhere on this, on this cycle. You're either experiencing barrenness, which speaks to lack. You're battling. That's that in between where you've conceived, but you haven't yet given birth to it yet. Or you're in the, you're, you're bearing. You're bringing it forth. You're, it's coming to pass. Or you're in the process of stewarding the thing that has come to pass. Now, the thing about barrenness is some of us don't even realize that we're barren. Because we're distracted, yeah, we keep ourselves busy and numb. Or maybe you 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 had a hint of barrenness, and and so you went to numb it by by giving yourself to ESPN and Sports Center. Maybe you numb it by giving yourself to your job, or maybe you numb it by giving yourself fully to your kid or to some outside endeavor. But you're but you're you're you've distracted yourself from the fact that you're barren. We're all too satisfied to play video games and to binge on Netflix. And that hides the barrenness from us because the barrenness hurts and we'd much rather avoid it. So some of us are barren and we don't even realize it. And, and some of us are, we're, we're, we, we've settled. We've settled on, on this side. We've taken something that's good and we missed the thing that God wants for us to have. And so you, you, you feel barren and so you're like, I'll just take any guy. And then you start to not consider whether or not he loves Jesus and whether or not he can lead you spiritually, whether or not he can, whether or not he has character, whether or not he's a man of conviction. You, you forget the fact that you've got a calling in Christ that's important and significant and it matters the person that you marry. So you, so you settle on, on this side because the barrenness hurt. And so you're like, if only I was in a relationship having been in full time ministry and done a lot of marriage counseling for a little while i promise you it's better to feel that barrenness and not be married than to be settled and marry someone who who is not equipped to lead and love and sustain you okay so some of us have settled. Some of us don't realize it, and we, we didn't know how to, to, to wrestle with it. Some of us misdiagnosed it as boredom or, or as, as something else, and we're like, oh, I just need to do more things, or I just need to do this differently, or maybe I need a different job, or maybe I, did, I need a different church, or maybe I need a different Bible study. Maybe I need different friends. Because we felt barren because there was a purpose of God that wasn't being accomplished in us, something we were designed to do, something that we were equipped to do, something God built us to do. He created us and purposed us to do it but we haven't walked into it yet. So we start canceling everything else instead of feeling the pain of our barrenness and allowing it to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish in us. I'm going to talk about what God wants it to accomplish. And then, and then the battle that happens when we've conceived and, and this thing is starting to turn and there's a battle that occurs in our soul where it's like, you know, are we there yet? You know, this it's pregnancy, it's engagement. It's like, can we just get to the good stuff? Right, can we just be married? Because engagement's terrible. Right? If you're not engaged, or you are engaged, it's wonderful. It's great. You look look forward to it. It's fantastic. <laughs> Pregnancy's awesome too. But God's doing something in those processes that is important because God loves process and He loves bringing us through. And if you had the baby as soon as you conceived, it would it would not. Thrive in the world the way that it's supposed to, but by staying in the womb and growing properly, and and, and letting letting the limbs grow and the heart grows stronger and the systems start working together and the brain functioning fully the way that God designed it to. By all of that happening, when you finally have the baby after the forty weeks or the thirty seven term, whatever it is, you have the baby and the baby comes out and and it's healthy and it's strong because the process. And so this battling is an important thing. And if you've never been pregnant, there's a battling that happens. It's tossing and turning and not sleeping and and baby clothes. It's a different kind of battle. But um, yeah, so we won't go into detail on that. And then the bearing, the bringing forth. And then you get the thing that you were praying for or, but it comes differently than you thought it would because not only did you have a plan for this thing, but God had a plan for it too. And that's where we're gonna land. We're gonna talk about God's plan and your plan and how to deal with the difference between them. The story of uh, how Isaac and Rebecca got married is is pretty is pretty remarkable, and there's some good marriage cues in there for all of us. There was a lot of prayer about it. The people in their lives agreed about it. It's it's pretty fascinating. It's an arranged marriage of sorts. Not that I can condone that, but Abraham sends a servant, and the servant's like, "Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do well." And the servant prays and's like, God, this is the kind of woman that I'm looking for. This is the, this is what Isaac needs. This is what would honor Abraham. And, and he goes and it's, it's a match made in heaven. And they meet this, this woman fulfills this thing that, uh, that, um, the servant had prayed would happen. She was, she was outgoing and charismatic and had a servant's heart. And, and so it was, it was kind of like, he's like, yes, this is it. Abraham, I think this is it. Hey, brother of this woman, I think this is it. And everybody's like, yeah, this is it. God did it, but it was bathed in prayer. First, the people agreed about it. Isaac was a man who was seeking after God at some level, and we'll see this in just a minute. And they had this great life, and they were this couple made in heaven, and and things were going well. There was just one problem. They couldn't conceive a child. Abraham's daddy was rich. Rebecca's family was successful. Isaac himself had resources. But there was a thing that they so desperately needed to happen. They couldn't make happen. And that's so true for us as well. The things that we desperately need the most. We can't cause to happen. And here they are in the midst of this situation. To be barren was more than a physical or emotional longing in this time. Being barren was seen as a a curse from God or a curse from the gods. And if you're in pagan culture and to have children and to not be barren was a sign of blessing. And so if you had children, you were blessed and favored. If you didn't have children, you were not blessed nor favored. And so they're sitting here in this state already, the culture looking at them, staring them down. But then you remember who her father-in-law is. It's Abraham. Now, if you, Abraham, God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to make you the father of nations. Your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. And Abraham took that to the bank, but he had one son who this was going to happen through. Who, what, what was that son's name? Isaac. Isaac. And so one son whose descendants now are going to be as multiple, uh, as, 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 as plentiful as the stars in the sky. One man married to this one woman talk about some pressure <laughs> can you imagine sitting down for dinner well rebecca do you have anything to tell us <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to brag but i am going to be the father of the multitudes and nations and so uh get cracking because uh, i need you to do this for me and <laughs> god promised it it's coming through you get cracking rebecca come on isaac <laughs> We can all identify with Rebecca in one way or another where we're hoping for a thing, longing for a thing, but we can't bring it to pass. It's the pain of unrealized potential. Some of us have a great job, a good family, but we're dissatisfied because we know that there's more for us. There's some kingdom purpose welling up inside of us that we know that God wants to do something greater than having, having our job in accounting. God wants to do something greater than even having good well-behaved kids. God wants to do something greater than you just not going to jail. I say sometimes we settle in our Christian life for just like let me just not end up on the news. Let me just let me just not lose it at work and flip a table and end up on TMZ. Right? Let me just... I don't need to be famous anymore. I just don't want to be not famous. I want to have an impact, but let me just not be famous for the wrong thing. And we think that somehow we're like, let me just not mess up. Let me just not get caught messing up. (laughs) Right? But God didn't redeem us just so we could play it safe. God redeemed us so that we could establish... His kingdom on earth so that we could establish his kingdom purposes so that we could fulfill his ministry and continue the ministry that he desires to do. But through us, that's what we're called to. There's a higher purpose to your accounting job. There's a higher purpose to being a lawyer. There's a higher purpose to being a nurse. There's a higher purpose to whatever it is that you find your hands doing from 9 to 5 or 7 to 8, right? 7 a.m., 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday. There's a higher purpose for our vocations than just making a dollar and making it through and not getting in trouble. God has a higher purpose and a higher calling for each of us, but many of us are barren. Barrenness can be the result of either us wanting something that God doesn't want for us, which is sometimes the case. And sometimes it's the case that God wants something for us that we don't want, so we're not cooperating with him. Whatever the case, in our time of barrenness, we learn about what's on the inside of our soul. We learn about our priorities. We learn uh, who we think is really in control and who's really in charge of our life and of, of the world around us. God shows us what's on the inside and barrenness humbles us. God's far less concerned with our comfort than he is concerned with our change and our transformation. Or he wouldn't allow difficulty to come. He wouldn't allow pain to come. He wouldn't allow barrenness to come. Because that's painful. It hurts. But he's not concerned with our comfort. He's concerned with our change. And there's a way that we can, there's a primary way in which we can cooperate with him for this transformation. Isaac understood in this moment that his wife's barrenness was his barrenness. Husbands, you have to hear this. His wife's barrenness was his own. Where your wife struggles, it's your struggle to fight on her behalf. Ladies, the same is true for you. Where your husband struggles, it's your call to pray for him and to support him. It's your state because when two become one, it's really that you are one. And so it's not oh yeah my wife is going through a very hard time by herself but I'm just living my life. It's my wife's going through a difficult time I'm standing I'm fighting I'm praying I'm 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 re- I'm getting in the word I'm standing I'm encouraging I'm inspiring I'm 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 leaning in the best I can to support encourage and, and pull down heaven for my family. You tracking? So he knew it wasn't his barrenness, and so he knew that he, it wasn't just hers, he knew he had to do something. He also, you gotta remember, he's Abraham's, he's Abraham's son, and so, so he, he knows how his dad handled it. His dad had experienced barrenness as well. So he was gonna be the father of many nations, he was gonna be so fruitful, and here's Abraham and his wife, and, and they were barren as well. (laughs) Abraham's first attempt at the solution, was to go get Sarah's servant and to have a baby with her. Which in the time wasn't unusual. It wasn't, it wouldn't have been weird. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been scandalous. But God's purpose is that he was going to bless the world through a man and his wife. It wasn't going to be through a man and some, and someone else. His plan was to bless him through the proper channels. And so when he tried to make it, uh, take care of it himself and he tried to go outside of God's plan and create it for himself, he messed up some stuff. They had a son named Ishmael. Ishmael was a blessing because every life, every person is valuable to Jesus. Every life, every person is valuable to God. And so, you know, whether you're in the womb or you're at 99 or you've lived past 100, your life is valuable to God. And so we we see this value that's 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 placed on on Ishmael and Abraham's like I got Ishmael he's going to be the one and then somewhere around the age of 12 or 11 12 or 13ish you know he's pre-teen age he, god comes to Abraham and and he's like hey so yeah it's not Ishmael I want to do it I want to do it this way I want to I want to have I want to have this child through your wife Sarah and and it's kind of like uh, seriously cuz we're old we, we, we've already taken care of it. Because, see, we got this plan. We, we already took care of it. We did a good job. We Ishmael, we named him. We've been raising him. Right, he's ready. I've been telling him for the last 13 years that this is what we're going to do. Are you sure you want to change my plan, God? Because I have a pretty good one. It's really safe. It's secure. I'm good. I'm good for this plan. And God says, no, 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 no. I've got a different plan. I'm going to do it a different way. And so Isaac comes. And so can you imagine the family tension between Isaac and Ishmael yeah. for his whole life. And Isaac knows this. So he's like, okay, so don't go get Rebecca's maid <laughs> pregnant. That's not the way to do it. Yeah. He's learning. He's like, my dad did that. You know, and Abraham's alive right now too. So he's probably like, son, don't do it. <laughs> you know, like He sees Isaac's mind turning. Well, dad, you did it. And, you know, he's like, don't do it. Not smart. Stay away from that. And so Isaac learns from his father and experience. And he prays to the Lord. He goes to God on her behalf. We all need somebody who can pray on our behalf. We all need somebody who's going to pray with us and for us. Who are you standing with to pray for? Who's standing with you? Do you have people that will rally behind you, rally to you in your time of need? And if you haven't, here's an opportunity to reach out and build relationship before you're in crisis. Maybe that's a family rule. Yeah. Establish relationship, not just because crisis is coming, because family, is, 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 family in the kingdom is, is enjoyable. Sure, it's got its difficulties, but it's enjoyable and it's a benefit to know people. I've loved the process of Anthony and Jessica becoming family to me. I've loved that. I cherish it. I can't wait for them to have their kid. You know, I I, it's just, I, I look forward to it like an uncle. It's just kind of like, Man, I cannot wait for this baby to come. Yeah. <laughs> So what's the greater miracle that God would change their circumstances or God would change their hearts? That's a trick question. Because we don't have to pray for either or in God. God can change the circumstance. He did that. But God also changed their hearts. We don't have to pray like like God is is limited power or authority, and he's like, okay, so, well, you prayed for me to change your circumstance, so you don't want her to be barren. (sighs) I really only have the energy to change your heart, which really in some ways is the harder thing because that needs our cooperation. And he's not like, well, I changed your heart, so you're just going (laughs) to... So, nope, not going to change your circumstance. Now, sometimes God does change the circumstance, but he also changes our heart. Sometimes God changes your heart, but not the circumstance, at least not right away. But you see the circumstance differently because you're different. You're looking at it different. You're approaching it different. You're processing it differently than you ever have before because God has changed your heart. And he can do that in a moment. I have gone into prayer times where I went in with one attitude and one plan and I started praying and talking to God and I walked out with a different plan, a different idea, a different heart. There was a time where I hated college students. And I was like, no, even when I was a college student. I was like, college students are dumb. We're dumb. We don't understand. And then God broke my heart for college students with one three-minute video. And I was like, I can do nothing else but minister to college students. Can I be honest? There was a time I didn't like this congregation. <laughs> All right? I'm just, if, if, you're, if you're clapping, I don't know if I should assume you didn't like them either. <laughs> you're like, I still don't like you. <laughs> you, know? you know, but it was like, it was like, it was, it was a, it was a, it was I was asked to come into it and it was like, you know what, God, I do believe that this is God's will for us, but I, I just my my soul isn't there yet. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I went in and I was praying one day, and I came out and I was like, These are my people. These are my people. I don't want another people. I still love college students. That 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 heart is beating strong every single day, every single week. I I love college students. I love the next generation, but I love you guys now. And I'm like, man, thank God he changed my heart. Because there's unspeakable blessing that's come to me and my family because of being here. And I know other people have experienced the same thing by deciding to plug in and to be somewhere that you initially didn't feel like, uh, I don't know. I wrote, don't pray like he's not that into you. And that's what came out of it. Don't pray like God doesn't care. Like he doesn't have power. Don't pray like God doesn't have power over ourselves and over our circumstances. Don't pray like God can't. Because our God can. Our God does, and our God will. Sometimes there are things that we want that God doesn't want for us, and he says no. But when we tap into, in prayer, into the things that God wants for us, there's no stopping him from accomplishing his good and perfect will in our lives. You can't mess it up. Your neighbor can't mess it up. Your husband, your wife, your children, they can't mess it up. Your parents can't mess it up because God wants to do a thing. He's going to do a thing. Abraham didn't mess it up by going to Hagar. It got messy for a minute. But life is messy. messy. I don't know what else you expect. I mean, Abraham was basically pagan and he was just doing what he knew to do. And sometimes we just do what we know to do, but that can't prevent God from accomplishing his good and perfect will in the end. I want to ask this question to us is, how do you respond to barrenness? All of this was about the barrenness and we'll pick up from here. Do you embrace your barrenness and allow it to be the thing that defines you? It's tempting, isn't it, to let the thing that we don't have to be the one thing that defines us? It's the money that I don't have that defines me. It's the child that I don't have that defines me. It's the husband or the wife that I don't have that defines me. Are you allowing your barrenness to be the thing that defines you instead of the love of God to be the thing that defines you? And the purpose of God beyond your immediate circumstance that defines you. Because that's what we're being invited into. Do you ignore it and just distract yourself with other things? Or do you take it to Jesus like Isaac? When you take it to Jesus, it humbles you because it forces you to talk about the thing that uh, you weren't talking about. You ever had to say the thing that you both knew you were thinking about, but now you had to say it out loud. You're both thinking it. We've got to do that with God. And we've got to take it before God. And it's like, he knows I want this. Why do I have to say it out loud? So you can hear that that's what you want. So that you can be humbled and you can hear your voice talking about the things that are on your heart. Because God already knows what's on the inside. He wants you to know what's really on the inside. There's a temptation that we have because we're lazy. The brain is remarkably lazy. Right? We don't see as much as we think we see. We actually see like fragments of a thing and that's how movies, that's why movies are able to work. It's a whole bunch of separate images. Our our brain skips and it fills in the blanks in between images. Our brain fills in the blanks uh, all the time, right? And and we think about, we we forget about things we're not thinking about and we forget about, like you don't, you, you haven't been thinking about your chair unless your chair is broken. You haven't been thinking about it because your brain can't both think about the chair think about what i'm saying think about what the holy spirit's saying to you while i'm talking it can't you you, what's happening in the background or the visuals or everything we can't do all of that so our brain is is i said lazy it's more it's it's trying to be efficient and it and it fills it fills in the blanks why am i talking about laziness But when we take it to God, what happens is we, we've got to hear ourselves saying the thing that God wants for us or what we want for ourselves. And we got to, and we hear God start to turn and direct and direct our hearts towards what it is that He wants for us. As we pray, our, our mindsets are diagnosed. Our, our mindsets are revealed to us and God starts to work on these things. Reading the word, reading this morning, I was reading Psalms 107. I wasn't just reading it. I was doing it. Psalm 107. Uh, it's just, it's just a, a worshipful Psalm. And I was, I was reading it. I was going into it and, and it says, um, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. It didn't say because he's been really good to you or because you feel like it. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he's good and he's, he's good. So give thanks. And so I'm like, well, God, it says it's a command. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give thanks. So I just started giving thanks. God, thank you for today. And I started list, listing off people. I started list, list, listing off uh, uh, names of people I love. I started listing off names of people I, I kind of tolerate. I started listing off names of people I bear, I don't really tolerate. I started listing off and just certain giving thanks. God, I'm giving thanks for these things because it says that you're good. So thank you for being good. Thank you for my house. Thank you for my car. Thank you for the scratches. Thank you for gas money. Thank you for breakfast money. Thank you for coffee out in the hallway. Thank you for donuts. Thank you for Dominion High School. You tracking And then I just started going through it and I just decided, you know, I'm going to do what it tells me to do. And then it says, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I was like, well, I'm redeemed of the Lord. So, Hey, I'm redeemed. God, you've redeemed me. So here we go. You redeemed me. You set me free from this. I'm not addicted to that. I don't think about this anymore. I'm not in that relationship. I'm not bound up by that thing. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of the things that are coming after me. I'm set free. Let me say so. So that's what I, that's what I did this morning. So what happens is you take it to God and you say, God, I'm barren here, but let me say thank you because you are good. God, I'm, I'm broken here, but let me, let me rejoice. Let me say so because you've redeemed me. And even if I don't get the thing my soul longs for, I get you for the rest of my life. I got good news for you if you're barren. God loves using barren people. He loves using barren people. He used Sarah. We see that he used Rebecca. We see that he used Hannah to birth Samuel who identified King David and did all sorts of other awesome things. We see God used Elizabeth who had John the Baptist who announced the coming of Jesus. Come on if you're barren! There was this thing um, called the Holy Clubs back in back in uh, at Oxford University. It was started by John Wesley, John Wesley, who kicked off this small group ministry method and had some some ways of doing ministry that kicked off the Methodist Church. Okay, and they called it Holy Clubs. And what they did in their Holy Club is they held each other very accountable to one another. But the group never grew more than twenty five people. The group stayed small, but the but the missions that went forth from the Methodist movement had changed the world. Out of 25 people. Yeah. Another one of those people who came out of those holy groups or holy clubs was jo- George Whitefield, who if you don't know, you could Google him. He's the Great Awakening in the United States. He went and he preached all over the United States, proclaiming the gospel in fields. And people were, were impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit. they brought to repentance and receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Out of a very small club that could never grow. I wonder how often they felt like, man, if only we could get to 30 people. Man, if only, if only, I mean, 30, if only we could get to 26. If, if only we could get a guest to come in here. And they were rigorous. So the guest would have been like, nah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> they, they were rigorous. Their accountability was like, what you doing? What are you thinking about? Um, so if you're barren and if you have little, Take courage. Take courage. Now, God might do the thing that's different than you expected if you're barren. You know, barrenness might mean it's time to adopt. It might mean that, you, that God has a, a, different, a different way to accomplish the dream that he put in your heart. Yeah. It might mean the death of the dream that you have so that the life of his dream can live through you. Can you imagine the joy when they conceived? Whoo! God did it. Now they weren't surprised. I mean, I mean, they were surprised uh, and and probably amazed. But it's not it's not like it's not like they didn't know how pregnancy happened, right? So we it's not like, you know, sometimes we're like, oh well, you know, it probably happened through natural means. No, they wouldn't be saying she was barren if she was like twenty five. If you're twenty five and you feel barren, you're just impatient. Okay. Okay. okay, so, you know, for your purpose and destiny. I just don't know what my purpose is. You're 25. Like, let's just, like, get a job filing papers. We'll figure it out on the go. Right? We'll get there. Don't worry. Like, we expect everything like we expect our food, like, out of a microwave now. And we're so impatient. And everything in our lives is on demand. On demand Olympics, on demand. I mean, I was trying to explain to my kids why we couldn't watch a show at a certain time. And I was like, because it's live. It's happening, like, right now and everything else you see happened other times and you can get it anytime you want but th- if this doesn't happen right now we don't get it it was probably a football game it's like if daddy doesn't watch this he's going to cry <laughs> because it'll be over and then I'll know the result before I get to see it and then it's not fun to watch and it's happening right now the wiggles can wait <laughs> yeah you know, the wiggles even still a thing okay really go ahead Wiggles man that was clever huh how about seeing a need and just making bank off it I wish I had done that you don't even have to sing well to do kids music you just be happy How will Do you want to you start a band Pastor Eddie <laughs> it'll be the Bibbles we'll spell it like Bibles it'll just be pronounced different on the internet now we have to do it <laughs> so this joy and then she's conceived i'm sorry i'm going to go long again today can you just it's just so much and then we're going to take a building offering thanks for enduring so, so she feels this pain and this struggling and she says she uh she she feels the struggling and um oh did i skip it i skipped it i don't even know how to go backwards Oh, why is this happening to me? Have you ever said that about the thing that you wanted so badly, you finally get it, and you're like, why? Why is this happening? This husband you gave me. This wife you gave me. What? Adam's like, this woman you gave me, Jesus. Help me. Pulling apples off the tree, making me eat it. This job you gave me, God, why? You prayed for it. And He wanted you to have it. So you got it. Why is this happening to me? Now, let me say, so I'll just keep moving, but take that as far as you can in your mind. Because I want to spend lots of time there. <laughs> but, um, but she felt this way and she took it to God probably as an imperfect prayer. That's how I imagine that prayer. I don't imagine her being like, why is this happening to me? And then she's like, so, yes, Lord, Father, I, yes, and prayed a perfect prayer. I am. I imagine, probably because of my personality, that she's like, God, what gives? All I wanted is to have a baby, and I am being torn apart from the inside. What is going on inside of me? All I wanted to do is have a kid. And now I don't think I'm going to make it. Why is this happening to me? And she learned from the previous struggle. She saw Isaac pray. She saw him go to God and pray. And this time she's like, he went to God and he prayed and God answered that prayer. Let me try again. Let me go to God and pray and see if God doesn't do it again. And so she went to God and she prayed and she, and she wasn't, she wasn't praying about, uh, she wasn't embarrassed to take her need to God. She wasn't so scared of God. She was able to go to him and get the input. And God says, there are two nations in your womb. While she was thinking about one kid, God was thinking about nations and generations. She would ultimately have uh, two children, Jacob and Esau. Esau, if you want to read kind of a cool story of how far out God was thinking about this, you can, you just, just read about Esau. Say, who are Esau's descendants? Google that this week and, and think that through. It'll mess you up a little bit. I'll, I'll give you a hint. Uh, one of his descendants shows up again at the birth of Jesus. And it's not a magi. So, so look it up. It's really fascinating. So even as she had difficulty stirring in her soul, she goes to Jesus, she prays, and God says, there's two nations. You're thinking about one thing. I'm thinking about the whole thing. I've got nations in mind. You have yourself in mind. That's okay, but your dream is going to have to serve my dream. Your dream fits inside of my dream. The dreams that you have, the purpose you have, the thing that you're, you're bearing with shouldn't be just to serve you and to serve your purposes. But God has a greater purpose for your dream to serve. We will find the most satisfaction in life when we bring our purposes in line to serve the purposes of God. When our job is no longer for our own promotion, but to advance the kingdom of heaven. We will find the most satisfaction and the most purpose and the most meaning in this life when we take the things that are ours, when we take the things of our imagination and we submit it to the plan and the will and the purpose of God. And it's not always the bigger, stronger thing that wins. Sometimes yours is going to feel like the bigger, stronger thing, but that's not the one that's going to win. The older shall serve the younger, he says. And this is a principle that we can apply across all of our life. In this case, it was you had Jacob who came first, or Esau who came first. Esau was a man's man. He was a hunter. He was he was strong. He was rough-skinned and had a deeper voice probably, right? Jacob, under- or Isaac, understood his, his he was blinding towards the end of his life. And he could tell the difference between his son's voices and the difference between their smell, right? So I he was a hunter. He was the man's man. He was the strong one. He was the powerful one the one that would obviously be the leader he's firstborn, and he's a stud but god is telling him ahead of time hey i just want you to know it's going to look one way but it's going to be another the thing that came first is going to serve the thing that comes second sometimes the dream that you had before you came to jesus is exactly the thing that needs to come under and serve the purposes of god Sometimes it's the first dream that you think is the full dream, but you need to understand that the dream that God's given you needs to come under the authority of his dream, of his purpose, of his of His idea for the generations, of his idea for the nations. Esau was strong and powerful, but he held his birthright lightly and didn't take it seriously. He was consumed with his own appetite for himself and his purpose in his right now. Jacob was thinking long term. I, Esau ends up sacrificing the birthright. They make a deal. He's starving because he hadn't eaten in a couple of days. And Jacob's like, give me your birthright. And Esau's like, sounds good enough. Because I need something. I'm hungry. I'll settle. And in that settling moment, He gave up not just his inheritance, his part of the inheritance, but the inheritance for his generations. Now, it just exposed the character that God knew was there from the beginning. It just revealed what God had known. Just nobody knew how it was going to come down. Big, strong, he would have been famous, would have been popular. God knew his character and knew that he was going to be willing to sacrifice it for a bowl of soup. The older is going to serve the younger. What's the older in your life that needs to come under the authority of the younger? Some of us in this room are barren. And I want to to encourage you today that in some ways it's fortunate because now you can just get the head start and get God's dream. Some of you have been wrestling, and, and that wrestling is really just trying. It, it, it's, it's like I feel the, the pains. I feel the groaning of this thing coming to pass in my life. And I'm not, sure how to, I'm not sure how to deal. God's starting to do the thing that I wanted, but I'm not even sure what it's going to look like or how it's supposed to work. Wow. The answer to both of those was going to Jesus in prayer. Bathing it in prayer. But then, when it finally happens, we have to deal with the stewardship. When it finally came to pass, they needed to steward it properly. Unfortunately, Isaac and his wife, Rebecca, weren't on the same page. And there was confusion and manipulation around it. But God didn't let the confusion and the manipulation and the, and the separation that, accre- that existed in their family, he didn't allow for that to get in the way Of what it is that he intended to do. From the very beginning of time. Which was establish a line to Jesus. Through that couple. And through their son. So that Jesus could bring. Redemption to the world. Father in the name of Jesus. I ask that you would help. Any of us who are in a season of barrenness. A time of barrenness. Where we feel our lack so strongly. So powerfully. That it's hard to see. What's good? God, I ask that you administer to our hearts. And God, for those of us who have a battle waging in our soul, waging in our bodies, I ask that you would come and be our redemption. That you would bring your wisdom, your insight, and your clarity, Proverbs, Chapter 4 speaks about seeking after insight and allowing insight and wisdom to guide us to long life. So God, I ask that as we feel the pain of barrenness or the pain of the struggle, that we would seek after you, we would humble ourselves before you. In this moment, we would lay our, our hearts open before you and we would continue to do so as we go from this place, as we, as we seek you on Monday, as we pursue you on Tuesday. And God, for those of us who have birthed something, I ask that you would give us discernment to know how to cause that which is birthed to serve your kingdom and to serve your purposes, not just our own. That is ultimately our heart cry. That we could be pleasing to you. That we could honor you and glorify you with our lives and with the fruit of our lives. That through a a righteousness established through Jesus, we would be pleasing to you in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen.